0: Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me, and in a minute we're going to talk to the Wall Street Journal's most excellent Jessica Tunkel so we can talk about a pretty grim media landscape in general and as well as specific updates on Disney, Netflix and AMC. You're going to like it. But first, a requester maybe an opportunity would you like to ask me a question i would love to hear it because we want to run a mailbag episode the next few weeks so you can ask me whatever you're curious about and i'll do my best to answer it and you understand what we're doing here because you've heard a podcast before you can ping me on twitter or you can email me at peter at recode.net and do let me know if you want me to use your name when i answer your question we will take it from there thanks and now here's me and jessica tunkel I'm here with Jessica Tunkel, excellent media reporter. We talked to her last time maybe a year ago, year and a half ago when she was at The Information producing scoop after scoop about the media business. Now she's at The Wall Street Journal, she's doing the same thing and also editing. Welcome back, Jessica.
1: Thanks so much, Peter, for having me.
0: Says you're your deputy media editor. Are you you're a player coach now?
1: Player coach is exactly how i describe it, yeah. So I'm getting to work. We have a great team, so I get to work with everyone, and I get to work with the folks in San Francisco and bring the whole tech entertainment media space together here.
0: Well, you've been cranking out the stories even though you're still coaching, or you're also coaching, so that is pretty impressive. I want to talk to you about some of the stories you've written, but also just sort of the big picture of what is going on in the media business right now. And let's start there because it seems surprisingly gloomy.
1: Pretty dire.
0: Yeah, I was at a media schmooze last night, and everyone there who was running a company around it was like, "No, oh, no, it's bad, and it's gonna get worse." I understand why the tech business is going through a, a a reset. That has to do with you know inflationary stock prices and and sort of the aging of some of these big tech companies. But the media companies were all trying to pivot towards the future. There are reasons why different companies are having different problems, but they all seem to be suffering from deflated stock prices. They're all, many of them are, are either engaged in layoffs or headed towards layoffs next year. Is there an underlying thread here that explains why things are dire, in your words?
1: I mean, I feel like we all knew this moment was coming, right? We all knew as these companies were trying to move away from linear television to streaming that everyone said this is the year of peak losses it's either 2023 or 2024 depending on which company you're talking about but we all knew this was coming i mean unfortunately it's coming during all of this you know market upheaval with the economy and inflation
0: this was coming meaning that all of the companies that were chasing netflix basically and trying to turn themselves into streaming operations had told wall street you've told us to go lose money to build these things and we're going to exactly. do that Exactly. So if they've told Wall Street, this is what you want, and this is what we're going to do, then what's the problem?
1: Bill, now they're actually losing money. And I think it's happening a lot faster than they anticipated. I think people got very used to COVID and like the numbers being very good for streaming during that year plus, let's say. And now that's coming down. And then you have the advertising on top of it, where advertisers are just completely pausing all advertising right now in a lot of places because they just don't know what's to come.
0: So it seems to me that there's maybe three things, right? there is there's um Wall Street not wanting to stomach the losses of of the streaming business that they said they wanted to stomach a couple years ago. they've They've right. changed direction. It sounded now.
1: great a couple years ago,
0: yeah. the The traditional business that all the media companies are moving away from, is also weakened because they've continued to have cord cutting problems. People are continuing to give up their cable bundle. They don't want to pay for that stuff. And then third, the advertising market like you mentioned is is weakened. So I guess that sounds it's a terrible cliche, but it sounds like a perfect storm for the media companies. Am I, am I missing something?
1: No, I mean I would say that and also the fact with inflation, you know, everyone has a lot of debt on their books. There's not a lot of things that any of these companies can do. I don't expect like a lot of mergers and acquisitions because everyone is sort of Having to look inward and figuring out how in, you know, Warner Discovery's case, how do we reduce our debt? In other companies' cases, how do we like sort of stop the losses?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about MA later, but we can talk about it now. I mean, a, the premise for a long time was the there was going to be a, a handful Three, four, five really big media companies left over when this was all done, and that smaller companies like Viacom or AMC would get snapped up. That hasn't happened, and it sounds like you're saying that's not going to happen anytime soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm probably said this a year and a half ago. I just don't think there are any buyers, right? There's who is going to buy any of these companies? And you know, I've I've always been very like pro M and used to cover M and A, so I think it's exciting and fun. But when you really think about it, like, what is the best, what has been the best merger, like transformative merger in the media industry in the past 10 years? I don't know that I can say any of them have been incredible. 10 years. not
0: Transformative? That's a good one. I mean, it's funny, um, the Disney-Fox deal, we don't even talk about that anymore. That was a 70-something billion dollar deal. And now if you ask people, they say quietly, because like, no one wants to make Bob Iger mad, that that probably <laughs> was a waste of money. They The Disney right. really didn't get very much for the 70 billion dollars they handed to Rupert Murdoch. Exactly. Comcast, NBCU is 10 years ago. It's hard to say that's transformative. It's just added a uh, media business to a, a very profitable cable broadband business,
1: and that was a pretty unusual situation, right? NBC was super depressed when they bought it; mm-hmm. they bought it at a great price. So, but yeah, I mean, I would say, I was that ten years? <laughs> I feel like that was longer, but I don't don't fact check uh, yeah. me. Okay, yeah, but I mean, uh, Viacom CBS—I yeah. don't know if I would call that transformative
0: yeah, you're essentially you're you're trying to find some synergy, a dreaded word, which means really layoffs and cost cutting. And in theory, you're supposed to bulk up and make yourself bigger for the coming streaming Armageddon. But again, it's not clear how much uh, benefit these companies are getting from merging this stuff together. We're gonna see a case study with Warner and Discovery next year when they launch what I guess is going to be called Max. Yes, discovery smashed together with Warner. Uh, Credit. uh, I wonder how many
1: consulting companies were hired to figure that out.
0: It's great business. Let's say you are running a big media company, or you work for one. Any, any, anything that is a glimmer of hope for you right now. We're recording this in December. It'd be nice to have some good news to carry into the holidays.
1: Any good news? That is a really good question. I mean, look, I think everyone's going to get on the other side of this. I mean, you know, advertising is is down now. I think it will come back. I do think it's really interesting that all these companies are launching ad-supported tiers. I mean, Disney's is coming out tomorrow. Uh, Netflix just launched theirs. I think it's off to a slow start. But I do think that that is another form of revenue that you will see these companies be able to get once advertising picks up again, which it will. We've seen this all before. It happens again. So that is some good news. Uh, You know, I think... (laughs) I'm not going mean, to make you
0: stretch to to it. To, to, to it's terminate. pretty
1: gloomy. I mean, it just yeah. is really dire right now. I mean, I think that... Well, usually in these times, companies think of something new to do. We'll see what happens with gaming at Netflix, and if that actually becomes a real thing for them. But it's it's pretty dire right now. I don't know if I have a lot of good news to share with you today.
0: Let's save the Netflix gaming idea, and I want to talk to you about that in a second. Let's start with Disney, though, because it's something that um, we've not covered on this podcast in a bit. And obviously, there's major news there. You swapped out one Bob and replaced him with another Bob. Chapek left. Iger came in. I had talked to someone pretty high up in Disney about two weeks before the Iger return was announced. And I said, how's Bob Chapek doing? You know, there was for a year there was what's going on with Bob Chapek. Is he going to be out of his job? Is he going to get a vote of confidence from the board? And this person said, you know, he, he was in trouble. He really did have problems and he did, did to convince the board that he was the right choice. Um, but he's through that now and uh, that person turns out to have been wrong. You have written about what led to Bob Chapek's dismissal and Bob Ecker's return. Can you summarize your understanding of the story?
1: I think that, you know, we've seen all the myths. There have been a number of mishaps on Bob Chapek's part. And, I, you know, there was the Scarlett Johansson issue where... Mm-hmm. He didn't pay her for moving the movie to s- streaming and Black Widow, and that was a big fiasco. There fighting, was
0: a, fighting with the talent is not fighting a, with the talent. A never good. Thing good. To do in Hollywood and very bad for Disney in particular.
1: Fighting with you know the governments and upsetting employees with "Don't Say Gay" in Florida was a second really really big mishap. And then you had this overall you know reorg that he one of the first things he did at Disney was that he separated. He created this co- this organization called DMED, where he separated the budgets from the creatives so that every time the content folks wanted to make a show, they had to go to the business folks mm-hmm. and negotiate for whatever their budget was going to be, which caused a lot of tensions internally. I mean, the bottom line is Chapek lost investors because the stock was down a lot. He lost employees for all the reasons we just said, and he lost Hollywood. And if you lose all three of those things... It's hard to
0: keep you around. That all is correct, but again, those that stuff that had happened and and the narrative had been, and I've been told that you know it sort of had gotten through it and um, convinced the board that he was okay. And then the story that I've seen reported in multiple outlets is this all came together really quickly. And the CFO, Christine McCarthy, who's also on the board, decided that enough was enough and reached out to Bob Iger on a Friday and said, would you take this job? And two days later, Bob Iger said, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. That was why they announced it at like 930 on a Sunday. And then I talked to people who are in and around Disney. They go, that doesn't pass the smell test. (laughs) That's, you know... First of all, you should always be curious when everyone reports the exact same story. It doesn't mean it's wrong, but you should think about it. And two, it just doesn't seem plausible that Bob Iger was just twiddling his thumbs and saying over and over, I don't want this job, um, and then was convinced basically in a day to come take it. Is there some nuance that we're missing or an alternate theory that you're interested in?
1: I mean, we are looking into this, but I will say, you know, Iger was very vocal with pretty much everyone he came across in the past several months about how unhappy he was with the way Disney was going yep. and the way Chapec was handling things. He was not secretive about it. Um, he was not subtle about it. Um to to be fair, I think that was a really hard position for Chapek to be in. It's hard, you know, mm-hmm. Iger's thought of as the best CEO in media, maybe in business ever, people say. And to follow in his footsteps was hard enough, let alone having Iger kind of talking about you to everyone on the on the block. I've got to think that a lot of people were complaining to the board about everything going on at the company.
0: Let's leave aside the fact that Iger is, says he's only coming back for two years, uh, and during that time, he's either going to find and groom a successor this he's been he's been spectacularly bad about this we've seen this
1: we've seen this show before
0: (laughs) but 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 let's talk about what he's going to do with disney besides finding a successor he's the one who basically launched the industry on the let's chase netflix Uh, path, because he was the first one to do it. He did it in an almost all-in way. He said, we're going to stop selling our stuff to Netflix. We're going to build our own Netflix. It's going to cost us a lot of money. We're going to forgo revenue we would have. It's all going to work out. Uh, He launches it in 2019. It seems like it's working really well. He leaves a couple months later. um, And then since he left... As we've been talking about, the, the conventional wisdom has now changed from Wall Street telling big media to go chase Netflix to saying, and, and don't worry about profits, just get revenue and subscribers It's like, actually, we do like profits and we don't want you to burn all this money. So Iger comes into a, a new environment different from the one he left. Do you imagine he's going to significantly change the Disney playbook, or is he going to sort of keep things the way they're going and make some tweaks? And he's already doing some re reorging. Or do you think he makes a fundamental change at Disney?
1: I mean, I definitely think he'll make. some – I mean, he's definitely he's got to do the reorg, right? He said he's going to get mm-hmm. rid of DMed. He's going to put the power back into the creatives' hands, whatever that means. But he's still going to have to do the layoffs. That's still happening. He's, we're still going to see the price increase on Disney+. Plus. That He couldn't pull that back. I mean, the. do I think anything monumental will happen? I don't think in the first, like, six to eight months anything monumental happens. I think he needs to stabilize this company. He needs to figure out everything. I think that, uh, I mean, again, like, there's some real headwinds facing all of these companies right now that he's going to have to contend with. I don't see him, like, saying, oh, I'm going to spin off ESPN or I'm going to buy Hulu early or do any of those things. In the next 12 months.
0: Do you imagine he's still going to be as all in on streaming in 2022, 23, 24 as he was when he left in 2019? Or do you think he's going to sort of accede to Wall Street's wishes and, and dial back spending and cut losses?
1: I think he'll still be all in on streaming, honestly. He was very pro the bundle. I mean, the one thing that Igor did. Really, really well was manage Wall Street's expectations. He didn't overpromise, and that may have been Chapek's biggest mistake. Was that he, you know, upped the outlook for everything, and I think that. That didn't, you know, it was too hard. It wasn't going to work. And then the last earnings call, he's like, yeah, we'll still make those targets unless there's any economic issues that like come in our way. I don't remember his exact language, but it was like, okay, well, (laughs) the conditions are deteriorating by the day. So clearly you're not going to make your targets.
0: So Bob Iger, just based on his capacity to sort of make people at Disney feel better about working there and the fact that he carries a ton of weight on Wall Street and is good at communicating, that may be enough to get them over this next hump.
1: I think it is. And I think he's a good manager. And, I, and Hollywood, I mean, don't underestimate how much the talent in Hollywood loves Bob Iger. I think that's very important for Disney going forward. And I think the animosity towards Chapek was really hurting it.
0: We'll be right back with Jessica Tuchel in a minute. But first, a word from a sponsor. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Let's move on to Netflix. Um, We've talked about Netflix many, many times on this show and what's happened there and how it's affected the rest of the industry. You mentioned gaming uh, a few minutes ago. Reed Hastings spoke at the New York Times Deal Book Summit last week. Without prompting, he mentioned games six or seven times by my count. He said, we want to make the best TV shows, movies, and games. Best TV shows, movies, and games. TV shows, movies, and games. So it's clearly a signal that he thinks it's very important. He wants credit for it. Tell me what Netflix gaming is today and what you think they think it will be.
1: I mean, I think Netflix gaming today is very, very small. It's something some people can do on their mobile device. I mean, my son is constantly asking me when he's going to be able to play games on Netflix on the television, which I think is the question a lot of people are asking right now. It's free
0: mobile games that you can download Right. You're not even really playing them on Netflix. You just go to the app store and download them. No, it's just,
1: right, exactly. It's like this very peripheral thing right now. Um, You know, I don't know exactly, honestly, what, I mean, obviously they want it to be a very much bigger piece of the business. I don't understand how it works without, I personally think they need to have some sort of hardware to make this Mm -hmm. a real business for them.
0: Yeah, their argument is mobile gaming is huge enough on its own lots of the games are you could in the old days you could play fortnite on your phone and on an xbox we can we can figure all that that? out um you're talking to someone who did it on this quite a bit (laughs) okay (laughs) but what i don't get is i understand why you're if you're a gaming company why if you're an entertainment company you're interested in games because they're competitive for your users time there's Maybe some synergy with IP, and you'd rather be participating in it than not. I just don't understand how having free games that you go download through the App Store helps Netflix, except that maybe it makes you think your Netflix subscription is that much more valuable, and you're less likely to churn, but that's not what he's talking about. I mean, he's not talking about it as a churn reducer.
1: No, I think that this somehow don't you think this somehow at some point gets part as of the bigger, broader core service? I just don't know how they do that. And like what the, again, like I kind of don't understand I do think that ideally you'll be watching Netflix on television and then you could flip over to a game and play the game. But I don't I don't see how that works without owning some sort of hardware.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you you remain as confused as I do. That makes me feel a little bit better. I, yeah, I ask Netflix people about this all the time and they kinda stumble around it as well. And they just sort of, compare. they just say it's really important. They say it's really important. And they can, comp- they have this line they've been using since they launched, which is we got into TV and, and movie production and we didn't know how to do that. And we made house of cards and everything worked out after that. And, and we'll figure out how to make games and we'll, we'll figure out our way through it. And it might be as simple as that. And then the advertising launch, uh, which you also talked about, you said you think that is going slow. What does a slow ad launch look like for you?
1: I mean, Ted sort of insinuated yesterday that it was- It's Ted Sarandos-Lukosi, yeah. Ted Sarandos, yes. He was at the UBS conference, and he kind of implied that it was going slower than- I mean, I don't think they expected it to be- out of the gate. I mean, they rushed this so quickly, which was to their credit. Like, good for them getting it out before Disney. But, you know, I don't know how many people actually. And when you talk to people, do they know that there's an ad t- tier? When, I feel when like he they says done anything.
0: slow, do you think he's talking about, is he talking about people signing up for the $7 cheaper ad tier? Or he's talking about ad sales or both?
1: I'm thinking that it's both. Yeah. I think it's more people signing up, honestly, because it did sound like yeah. advertisers were very anxious to sign up. And throw their money at it. But again, like I haven't, if you talk to normal people, not us, like people don't know that there's an ad tier of Netflix.
0: I've noticed that now in Netflix ads, it says Netflix starting at $7. So there's at least they're, they're kind of advertising it. And they've said this both publicly and privately that this is supposed to go hand-in-hand hand with the attempt to, to cut down on password sharing. They're testing this in Latin America. And the idea is, eventually, in the U.S. and other places, if you're using someone else's Netflix account, eventually they're going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, this isn't your account. Don't worry, we're not mad, but we would like you to pay. Here's a bunch of choices starting at $7. And they're assuming that a significant chunk or the majority of those freeloaders who sign up will take the $7 tier. So I think that will be a, a work in
1: Yeah, progress. that's that's the bet. That's the bet.
0: And then the other uh, bit of texture there is if you talk to the people at Comcast or Google, other folks that were bidding on to be Netflix's ad partner and lost that deal to Microsoft, they will tell you that they believe Microsoft is paying Netflix so much money, either in guarantees or... or, or whatever, that it kind of doesn't matter to Netflix in the near term how well this goes because Microsoft is essentially bankrolling the entire uh, project. Are you hearing that?
1: Yeah, that is my understanding, that Microsoft paid a lot to get this deal. And in the long term, Netflix is going to be managing its own sales. And do, you know they hired some senior Snap executives yep. to oversee it. So you've got to think that like the first year is them kind of figuring out what they need to do and then moving on their
0: own that's the other thing you hear from the sour grapes crowd is microsoft is spending all this money to get themselves into the ad business and to work with with netflix and at the end of the deal which will be in three years whatever it is netflix will say thanks thanks for the money thanks for getting us into the business we're off on our own exactly. um and microsoft won't get that much out about it so we'll see and then the other the other thing you hear is oh the, microsoft is going to buy netflix reed hastings was asked about that he said well you know, If we were, if they were going to buy us, they wouldn't do a commercial deal. They'd just go ahead and buy us. Um, take that for what it's worth.
1: I could argue that either way, but who knows, really.
0: Oh, I do have another Netflix question for you, because you have written about this. Um, about a month ago, you said, hey, Netflix is bidding on live sports rights. They've gone after F1. They've poked around at some other stuff. This is one of the things that Netflix always said it was never going to do. It had no interest in doing live sports because it couldn't add any value. It appeared that that calculus had changed because the value of live sports is it's a great place to do advertising. They're now in the ad business. How serious do you think they are about pursuing live sports?
1: So I think Netflix, what I what we had reported was, yes, they were looking at some live sports rights, but they were really also looking at like, are there leagues where we could buy a majority stake or buy that mm-hmm. we could, it would be small things. Like we mentioned the World Surfing Surfers League, World Surfing League. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm saying the league wrong, but um, there is some you know, professional
0: w- surfing league and they were looking
1: right. At it. Right. So we could buy something like that. And then we could also – not only would we own the rights to that and the tournaments. Is that what you call a surfing, surfing tournament? Sure. I'm and then <laughs> you could also create IP off of it. Like, what, yeah. you know, they create some great IP off Formula One. They didn't own that. They tried to buy that. It didn't work out. So I think that's what they've been looking at. I mean, as, you know, Netflix has been kind of saying more recently, oh, we're not doing it. We're putting it aside. I think if they found the right thing, they would do it. I think that they're doing a lot of things right now. And that my understanding is that people internally are like – internally like – you know, they're doing advertising. They're doing the password crack- sharing crackdown. They have a lot going on, right? So – and they're doing live. So I think that maybe right now, unless they find the perfect thing with sports, I don't think they're going to do NFL rights or anything crazy yep. like that. They don't want to overpay for sports rights. But I do think if they found the right thing, they would.
0: That seems to be what they're signaling internally and externally. The externally external version was, uh, again, at, at that uh, Times interview last week, Hastings was, was asked, hey, you're doing live stuff. You're going to live stream a Chris Rock special. Uh, next year, it seems like that would be the the precursor to sports. And Haston said, "No, no, no. Everyone says that's to get into sports. It's not the case." And then he was followed up, "What do you think about sports?" Ask me once we've once we've once we're killing it in games. Again, he brought up games. So. <laughs> So, let's talk about games again. Let's talk but, more about But games. I will
1: say, I mean, if you're getting into advertising, of course they're going to do sports at some point. Like, of course they are.
0: That is what the people who are in the sports business and bidding on rights believe. They say there's no reason for Netflix not to be in this business, and we believe we will be competing with them. We have already, and we expect to be competing with them down the line no matter what they're saying.
1: But I don't think you're going to see, like, Netflix bidding for Sunday ticket or anything like that. Now Netflix. watch them get Sunday ticket and, yes. you know, whatever. but.
0: I'm wary of proclamations now about Netflix or any other company. I did want to ask you about AMC, um, which is a small player in, in media, in, in TV and streaming. We've had one of their former CEOs, Josh Sapon, on a couple times to talk about sort of how they compete. He's been out for a while. They've now gone through three CEOs. Uh, they no longer have a CEO. James Dolan, um, who owns the Knicks and Radio City and also owns AMC, is now sort of the de facto Guy running that company, and he put out a memo last week that said, "It sounded like a blogger had it, frankly." It said, the, "the the the business is in real trouble, um, and we don't really have a good answer for it. Nothing's working, um, and also we're going to have really big layoffs." What do you imagine happens to AMC? We, you said earlier no one wants to buy it; they can't figure out how to operate in today's environment. What what becomes of a company that was really important? Uh, in the the golden age of TV and sort of the launch of streaming, people who brought you Walking Dead and Breaking Bad and Mad Men, w- what happens to them?
1: I mean, my caveat on that no one wants to buy it is like, it depends on what price, right? Yep. And I think I looked at the, the market cap has come quite, has come down. I thought I saw 800 million today. Sounds right. So everything is for sale at a certain price. I don't know if Jimmy, if the Dolan family is going to sell the asset, though, that's, I mean, that memo made it seem like maybe they'll now consider it. That's been the issue in the past. Mm -hmm. They've wanted a big price. I could see-
0: I mean, it's worth considerably less than the New York Knicks are worth.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, I could see a scenario where you split the company apart, like maybe another studio buys the content piece of it, and then the private equity takes the networks and you have some sort of- you know, licensing deal, maybe a private, I mean, you could see a private equity buy the whole thing, but that's a pretty big check and I don't see that happening. I don't think uh, you would see another entertainment company buy the whole thing, but I could be wrong. I mean, it, again, like it has, everything's getting cheaper by the minute.
0: We have been talking about entertainment companies, media companies, companies who make their money in this business, which means we haven't been talking about Apple and Amazon, two big tech giants who make tons of money not in media are spending a lot of money in media, and there's still a big question about how serious they are and what they're going to do, even as they spend billions and billions. Amazon is spending a billion dollars a year to show a single NFL game a week. Do you think this is the environment where they step in and start snapping up the AMCs of the world or, or acting that much more aggressively, or do they pull back as well because they eventually have some of the same pressures as everyone else?
1: I don't think that you're going to see them make a play for the AMCs of the world. More Well, for multiple reasons. One, because they are trying to focus more on their core businesses. I mean, Amazon is still trying to figure out what they're doing with MGM. I don't think they're going to go make another acquisition right now. But the regulatory environment also, it would be such a headache for Amazon or Apple to buy even an AMC. I mean, if Simon and Schuster didn't have the publishing deal, didn't happen, Mm -hmm. I don't see this happening. So, I just don't see them wanting to waste the time and resources on a deal like that right
0: now. It doesn't move the needle, really. We gotta find something positive and upbeat to say at the end of the year here, Jessica. What are we gonna do?
1: I don't think I have anything.
0: All right, Um, let's just say that you're doing a great job at your new job.
1: I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm really lucky to be here.
0: (laughs) We are lucky to have you, Jessica Tinkle. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to Jessica Tinkle. Excellent to talk to her, um, and excellent to work with Jelani and Travis, who produce and edit this show. Excellent to have sponsors sponsoring the show so you can hear it for free. Also excellent, you guys. You guys are excellent. You just send me emails and you say, hey, I like your podcast. Good job. And that means a lot to me. Thank you. Um, and do send some questions if you got questions. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week.